Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 457. This week, we have a cruise review coming to you from Kurt, who has a cruise recently that he took on the Enchantment of the Seas, visiting both Bermuda and Perfect Day Coco Key. And Kurt breaks down what the cruise was like. Here we go. We're back with another cruise review this week, and this time we're going over to uh, one of the classic Royal Caribbean cruise ships out there, Enchantment of the Seas. Enchantment sails out of the Port of Baltimore, and for folks that live in the Mid-Atlantic region, it's a great option to have a cruise so close to home that you can drive to. And today, to give us a full review of the Enchantment of the Seas is uh, Kurt from Maryland. Kurt, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Excellent. Good to have you back here, and... Uh, Talking Enchantment of the Seas, you did a nine-night cruise on Enchantment. So what drew you to uh, the Enchantment of the Seas on this particular itinerary? Well, the itinerary was what really drew me in because it went to both Bermuda and to Coco Cay. Mm. So that was a big plus. We'd done Enchantment quite a few years ago. Probably prefer bigger ships, but there's only so big that you can get out of the harbor out of Baltimore. So yep. um you know, we took a shot at this, and, uh, and it was very nice. So that's actually, I, I think you brought up a really interesting topic, which, of course, is I get a question all the time, Kurt, about, you know, uh, should I go on Enchantment of the Seas? Is it is it okay? Is it dated? Is it, um, you know, because I, I'll take you as an example. You live in Maryland, so you have a ship or two up in uh, Bayonne. You also have convenient flight options down to Florida. So if someone's asking you this, Kurt, what would you tell them about the decision to sail on Enchantment of the Seas and what draws you to this particular uh, ship slash itinerary? Well, for us, it was both the itinerary and the price because because we're so close, we're a couple hours away from the Port of Baltimore and it's it, it's an easy drive up, no overnight stay in a hotel. So that just adds to what it might cost us to do Cape Liberty, which we've done a couple of times fairly recently we probably could squeeze that in, do the drive in the morning, but you know, for us, uh, that might be a little pushing it. And I'd like to be there bright and early as soon as I can get out. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, it's still a fun cruise. I mean, you still get to, you know, relax and, you know, and, and enjoy what the ship has to offer. Obviously it's not the same as an Oasis class ship by any means, but you know, it's uh talk to me about your, your, what, what really stands out to you about enchantment. What do you enjoy really about this uh, particular ship and, and the vision class in general? Um, well, we did the, you know, there's not lots to do. I like the live entertainment. Um, so I spent some time watching shows, you know, which is kind of typical, right? But yep. the, the piano player in the schooner bar was really good. I thought, um, the, the house band, um, not, not the, not the band that plays during the shows, but the one that played like in the centrum in the evening, um, uh, their name was Rockport. I thought they were really good. They were a lot of the the entertainment was really good. The staff was incredible as mm. well. That's great to hear. I'm really glad to hear that. And um, for Port of Baltimore, sailing out of there, any tips or advice? I don't even know if there are any, but I mean, is it just pretty straightforward in terms of oh, sailing out of there? Yeah, it is, it is super easy. I mean, you drive in, you drop your bags with the porters, um, you pull into a parking spot, and then you're you're walking in the door. We did have to wait a little bit because we'd gotten there just a little before our, um, our posted time, mm -hmm. um, which is actually pretty early. So it wasn't a big surprise, 
we had a time of 10 o'clock. Um, we sat in the terminal for a little while. I think we were seated about five minutes after, uh, after our posted time. And then we were on at 1030. Okay. So that's really not bad at all. Pretty early. It's super, it's super convenient. The port is, there's nothing to complain about there. What type of cabin did you have for the sailing? We had an ocean view because the ship is small. There's not a lot of balconies. So right. the balcony price is, you know, got a pretty good differential from the, the inside or the ocean view cabins. So it's, I've talked myself into balconies before, but uh, for the price difference and the idea that we were trying to just sneak one in at a lower cost, it wasn't quite worth it to us. You know, I neglected to ask you, um, whom were you sailing with? Uh, my wife. Okay. So just the two just, of you. Just her and I. Good. Yep. Good. Um, and in terms of the uh, onboard enchantment of the seas, did you do any specialty dining? Did you do just the main dining room? What was your approach there? Mostly the main dining room. We we learned from experience that we liked doing a lunch on the very first day to avoid that windjammer crush. Yep. And uh, that's that, that is something I would point out as a, a good tip for somebody. One, lunches are cheaper to do. Two, it's very relaxed compared to trucking around whatever stuff you've carried on, you know, and then go into the wind chamber and, you know, hit it the same time everyone else is trying to do it. Absolutely. So let's talk about the itinerary you did, because obviously it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Bermuda is a beautiful port and, you know, uh, a lot of people always want to know what to do there. This On this itinerary, this is just a regular stop, right? You didn't do an overnight or anything like that, did you? No, it wasn't overnight, but... What I didn't do is I didn't look at the times well enough because it got in fairly late and it left fairly early. Really? So while it was an overnight, it was exactly 24 hours duration. Ah. So my impression when I was booking and not being real careful about it was that I had a lot of time. I had less time than I thought. Hmm. It was fine. It worked out all right, but uh, it was not what I was uh, anticipating until I took a hard look at the itinerary. But, <laughs> I feel like that's, yeah, I, I, is a beautiful place. Yeah. I make that mistake all the time, Kurt, you know, I'll look at the, everyone looks at the itinerary, like, you know, what ports you're visiting. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think that I, myself included, we don't look at the actual times. It's very common, like San Juan, Puerto Rico, it'll be like 7am to two. See, all you see is San Juan. Oh, great. And then you realize, well, with those hours, there's really not a lot you can actually do, unfortunately. So that's not always the case, but there are occasionally, you get ports there. So what did you end up doing in Bermuda? Well, we tried to just, and I think we made the right selection. All we did was, was just sightsee. And what we did was we took the public bus system. Mm -hmm. We, from the port, we took route number seven, which we understood from uh, somebody guiding us was the more scenic one. And we did see some beautiful sites. The people in Bermuda are really friendly as we were traveling somebody was helping us with you know explaining where we were and what we were looking at and um it was almost like having a unofficial tour guide i guess um so we took the tour bus in we had a lunch in the city in hamilton um not the tour bus but the the public (laughs) bus um and then we went to a supermarket um because we wanted to see what kind of you know, interesting food items they might have. Plus, our room did not have a refrigerator, which is, I guess, uh, a feature of the ship that I wasn't aware of. Um, balconies do, but inside or ocean view cabins don't, from what I understand. I don't know if there's exceptions to that, but ours did not. So trying to pack things into an 
ice bucket. I decided I wanted to buy a cooler and I actually found one. Everything else in that store was fairly expensive. The cooler wasn't that bad. <laughs> so I bought a cooler to uh, stock away my, you know, wine and, sure. and you know, leftover uh, beers and whatever else I had. Yeah. Visit, so was, visiting a supermarket is a great idea just in general. It's a good way, like you said, to get kind of an idea of the culture of, of the place. And it's just kind of interesting. It's an interesting uh, glimpse into what it's like to live there. Um, I wanted to ask you about the bus because that is a great tip, by the way, if you are going to Bermuda. Taxis are prohibitively expensive in Bermuda. But bus service uh, is plentiful and very economical. But I know some folks are always a little worried. You know, Kurt, it's, it's I don't know what they imagine. Maybe they imagine like New York City buses or something. But um, what 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 advice or what tips do you have for taking the bus? I mean, was your experience sound like it was fairly positive, especially because there was a very kind soul on board who basically narrated your tour, which is not common. But um, talk to us about your your experience there. If someone were saying, Kurt, should I take the bus? Is it is it safe? That kind of a thing. What would your uh, what would your response be? Yeah, it's it's nothing like a bus in a metro area. It is super clean. There's a lot of tourists on board with you. There's uh, it's it's completely different experience. It's it's almost like you're on a tour bus. They were well maintained. Um, it, it was it was very positive. Nice. Um, and in your email to me, you said you took your folding bike on board. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, so th- to finish up that day, we went to the supermarket and then we took the ferry back and we generally had pretty good weather, but on the way back, while we were waiting in the ferry terminal, it poured. Hmm. I mean, it was a downpour and, and to the point where I didn't know if they were going to stop running the ferry because it was so windy and rainy. Hmm. And then we had, th- there was a bicycle, uh, walking thing called end to end Bermuda happening that day. So a lot of, we were watching these poor people get off the ferry, trying to maneuver their bicycles off of the ferry. Um, and it took them forever and they were getting drenched while oh, we were geez. waiting. We got a little wet too, but not anywhere near what they did. Those poor, poor people. Yeah. I didn't do that. But on the second day, I, you know, I didn't have much time. I had till one o'clock. Right. But I got up about as early as I could get out, about 6.30 in the morning, and I rode what's called the Bermuda Rail Trail. So it's an old railroad trail. It's it's kind of hit and miss how well marked it is or what the surfaces are like. Some of it's paved really well and marked reasonably well. Other parts of it are staircases and steep <laughs> inclines <laughs> and uh, sandy surfaces. So it's a big mix. Um, I'm glad I did it. I rode about as far as the, I think it's called Gibbs Lighthouse. Um, so around the hook of the island. And it was it was a beautiful ride. I mean, it's stuff that you can't see normally. Sure. It'd be a heck of a long walk. I think I did, I don't know, 15 miles or something like that. This was a bike that you brought from home or one you rented? No, I brought it. Um, I mean, it was too early to even hit a rental place, right? Yeah. But I did see people renting bikes from the port area and taking a short ride. And it looked like they were with someone that was helping them. That's How do, the impression I got. I'm just curious. When, I, you get, when you get to the port in Baltimore, what do you just put a luggage tag on your bike and say, here you go? How does that work? No. Uh, my wife calls it my mistress, so I don't <laughs> let it out of my sight. And, uh, it's in a case, and it always attracts a lot of confusion. So I, it's the second time I've carried one on. And it's um, it's kind of – people aren't quite sure what to make of it. Royals' guidelines are not that clear. It, it 
sounds like you may need to make prior reservations, but I don't think that's really true. But I sure. always try to get some sort of statement in a letter that I can, you know, print off and hand to somebody and say, look, <laughs> I can bring it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, every, you get a lot of weird looks for sure. But it folds up pretty small. I, I fit it under my bed when we got into the room. Oh, good. Well, uh, the fact that it's foldable obviously makes it a lot more manageable to bring on board. So it's not like you're, I'm sure people are imagining like you taking like, you know, a full size bicycle with you, on, like riding up the gangway with your belt, bringing the bell as you uh, go up there. <laughs> but yeah. Well, they're pretty concerned about you displaying it or using it on board. Sure. They don't, they don't want any trouble like that. They yep. don't want, I, they, they just don't want that. So I tried to be kind of discreet. You know, I just took the elevator to my stuff, you know, to the, the deck where we disembarked and tried to, tried to make it manageable and not too conspicuous. Yep. I did have a little trouble getting back on a Bermuda, not from the Bermuda staff, but from, Someone that was in security on the ship where they, I don't know what he thought I was doing. I got the impression he thought I was stealing a rental bike or something. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not something they see every day. It's not a, it's not a surprising to me. Sure, a sure. A lot of staff ask, where did you get that? Where can I get one? So, <laughs> and uh, speaking yeah. of the bike, you also went to use it in Nassau because that was one of your other stops. Yeah, I did. Um, that was the next stop. And I used it. I didn't go very far. The traffic's kind of, it's not fast, but it's pretty continuous. There's yeah. not a lot of gaps in traffic. So I took it down to Margaritaville, stopped in the lounge, <laughs> the outdoor uh, bar. Um, my wife's not into it. So I just did that on my own. Um, had a drink. Then I rode a little bit farther and I could go down to like the fish fry area. I was yeah. just trying to expand what I'd seen in Nassau. I hadn't been that many places in Nassau. So I I rode about that far and said, oh, okay, this is enough. The, the traffic didn't look like it was much better in that area. So I thought sure. that's enough. So in addition to, of course, those two stops, you also stopped at Perfect Day at Coco Key. And what was your approach to uh, Coco Key and what you did over there? We were there docked with Oasis. And oh. we actually have a trip scheduled on an Oasis later in the year. So I was interested in seeing that even though i couldn't see much but sure. <laughs> um uh we arrived first which was a blessing because we were able to find a chair we we pretty much we just staked out a nice spot by the oasis lagoon that's the pool i think right yep. um and um uh, we just hung there all day and the weather looked a little hit and miss it, it was pretty windy most of the trip and um, I don't think they used the balloon at all that day, but um, hmm. I mean, it, it turned out to be a pretty good day. Um, threatened to rain. I think we got a few sprinkles, but uh, generally it was pretty darn nice. And uh, we did a little time at the swim up bar, but uh, we certainly did a lot of lounging uh, throughout the course of the trip. And that was one <laughs> of the days for sure. Good, good, good. And of course, um, in addition to the places you visited, Enchantment of the Seas, give me your rundown on Enchantment and kind of what your thoughts were on the ship. Well, the last cruise we went on was uh, Anthem prior okay. to this. And Anthem is super new and modern and very up-to-date. Yeah, Enchantment has an old classic cruise vibe, I'll call it that. You know, it's got some pretty crazy decorations and <laughs> you know, like our floor had Mardi Gras masks as uh, hallway decorations. I'm okay with that. I mean, I knew what I was in for. I'd seen the ship before and I knew what 
I've been in grandeur before too. It's pretty similar. Right. Um, it's, it's a classic cruise experience. It's not, uh, it's not the latest, greatest and it, and it, it's a little dated. It's, it's functional and, and pleasant and you can't really go wrong when you're on a cruise ship anyway. Right. So it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. I mean, that's really, you know, the name of the game. It's, it's like you said, you're still going to have a fun experience on board, but it's just, you know, it is it, the motif of it certainly is going to be evoke a different feel than a newer ship. And that's really, I think what your the trade-off is, you know, people always, always a dated, I mean, it doesn't look like as an example, like you said, Anthem of the seas. No, they're fundamentally very different looking in many regards. That doesn't oh, mean yeah. it's a bad experience. It just means it's different than Anthem. And so when you, you know, it's really a question of, I think personally, how you feel about how important it is to have a more modern or, I don't, I, I hate to say this because it almost sounds like it's a negative, but it's not a negative. It's just a, it's a different look and approach to cruising than you find on Enchantment of the Seas. Neither one is bad or, or, or better. It's just different. And, and it's, you know, and I think the more you cruise, I know Kurt, you cruise for a while now, the end of the day, you know, when you look forward to a cruise, I think after your first, you know, five or six cruises, I think it's, it's a matter of just like, it's the experience. It's the cadence of being on a cruise, being on vacation, relaxing, enjoying some time. And, you know, it's not about necessarily every day anyway, you know, trying to do every single onboard activity or having an overwhelming amount of activities on board to do. Sometimes you just want a nice relaxing cruise. And in this case, you had an, it sounds like a great itinerary to be able to explore. Yeah, absolutely. And that there is one advantage on of smaller, older ships, and that's that they, they have a, a better connection to the water, I think. Um, yeah. there's a, you know, pretty wide promenade deck that's not blocked by lifeboats, you know, that you can see underneath it is it's, it's just got this closer connection, larger windows in the centrum area to be able to see out. Um, sure. it, it just feels closer to, to the water than the, particularly the way they position lifeboats on the more, uh, the bigger ships. Sure. That's to clear out, you know, lifeboat views from the balconies, but it it clogs up that promenade deck a little bit. So it's right. from that perspective, I really like it. I like that openness to the to the water. And you did have an issue actually on board, and I think it's an important one to talk about because, of course, you know, it's just it's a testament to I think to what Royal's trying to do in terms, of, you know, obviously keeping guests happy and taking care of issues. But sometimes, no matter what cruise it was on, I was on Wonder of the Seas. There was an issue with my room on the second sailing so it's maintenance issues can pop up anywhere but you had an issue on the enchantment of the seas talk to us a little bit about that yeah on uh it it lasted for quite a while it was like the second day we're in bermuda we had like a sewage smell and it seemed to be pretty prominent we were on deck three it wasn't right around our room it seemed to be more we were just after the elevators it was more forward of the elevators that seemed to be worse yeah um, I think it was worse on lower floors as well. Um, but from what I understand, they had a problem with either the gray or the black water tanks, which you can imagine isn't very good, but, yeah. um, nobody ever, we did have a problem with a toilet flush, uh, during one day and I reported it, they sent somebody out and, um, they, that got fixed right away. So we never really had a problem with any sort of backups or anything like that, but the smell was kind of disconcerting when we were on Coco Cay all of the people heading back to the Oasis and the enchantment ship were, you know, headed back and we walked in the door and we saw this beautiful ship next to us. <laughs> we walked in the doors and got 
hit with a bit of a sewage smell. <laughs> it mm. did not make uh, everything wonderful, but, uh, you know, it was something we dealt with. They did offer us a future cruise credit, and that at least, at least makes you feel better. They did care. They just couldn't resolve it as quickly as everyone would have hoped. Sure. Again, maintenance issues can happen on any ship. They happen, I don't say frequently. I don't want to make it seem like, you know, things are falling off the side by any means, but it's not unheard of. It's not unusual. Uh, certainly, you know, alert, you know, whomever the person might be, but if it's stateroom issue, you stateroom attendant, you know, guest services, whatever the issue may be, um, and they'll do their best to take care of it. But, you know, there's there's only so much the maintenance staff on board can do. They'll obviously address things going forward. You know, like I said, I was on, when I was on Wonder, we had an issue with our, the the kids' bathroom was having a backuping, backup issue. And, you know, it took them a day or two to resolve it, but they got it resolved and it was fine. So, you know, it's not to say that, oh, you should avoid older ships because they're, you know, they only have problems and newer ships don't. Every ship can have a potential problem, but they're temporary at best and they're not, certainly not to the point of ruining your cruise. So I think it's the important takeaway. It's just something to talk about. Not to, not to pretend nothing ever happens. That's not great, but also to recognize that it's not the end of the world either. So good stuff. Well, Kurt, I guess the, the most important question for you, do you have another cruise booked coming up after this? Yeah, we do Oasis in September. Nice. Awesome. Well, looking forward to hearing about that, Kurt. Always a pleasure to have you on here talking about the cruise. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Time to answer a few of your listener emails this week, starting off with an email from Josh from the UK. Really love the YouTube and podcast. My wife and I have booked a cruise from Los Angeles. And that particular sailing was selling at around $3,000 for a balcony stadium for a seven-day cruise. All the other dates for the same itinerary in the same month were $800 or more. I'm slightly concerned there being a reason why this particular sailing was so cheap in comparison. My question is, what reasons could there be for a huge price difference in a very cheap sailing? Josh, it's a really interesting question. So the reason why one sailing might be more inexpensive or more expensive than another one has a lot to do, essentially, at its heart, with supply and demand. So what I'm really talking about basically is in October, again, I'm not sure I know the school calendar in on the West Coast, but typically speaking, the reason why you might find a cheaper price is essentially more or less, there's less demand, less people booking that particular cruise. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for that. Could be the fact that that particular week, a school is in session and there's, you know, October is a weird month here in the U.S., there's different holidays and school breaks that occur. And October, depending on the way holidays fall, there may or may not be that time. But typically, October is also very much a time in which school is in session. And the fact that you're seeing basically, you know, let's assume there are four cruises in the month, right? Seven-day cruises. And you've got one that's significantly cheaper than the other one. Usually points to either just for whatever reason, people have been booking the other cruises. Number two, it could simply be the itinerary. I'm not sure, again, the, the, the sailing that you're taking has a different pr uh, different price based on perhaps different ports that you're visiting. Uh -huh. There could be a lot of different factors that are involved, but chief among them, demand, the itinerary itself, and kind of how Royal sees that. So, you know, as an example, if there was one particular sailing in which, you know, I'm gonna make up a number here, 500 people booked that cruise, the price is gonna go up for that particular sailing compared to other ones, even though maybe the exact same itinerary, you know, a week or two before that. This happens all the time. You'll see this in the month of December. It's a classic example of this, where you'll see the first two weeks of December, cruises being reasonably cheap actually and then the last two weeks once you have christmas it goes up significantly now that's a extreme example you understand that one but the dynamic there is a very good example of what to expect so josh i don't know that you're picking like you're making a mistake by any means as long as you're okay with the itinerary and the dates 
more power to you. You found a good de you found a good deal. That's always a benefit. Next up is an email from Austin from South Carolina. Quick question: My wife and I will be staying on a lure in November 2023, taking our 18-month-old with us. What are some must-dos that she would enjoy being so young? Also, is she old enough for Adventure Ocean, or should be in the nursery at that age? Sue from MEI Travel has been super helpful in getting us booked for the first cruise on an Oasis-class ship. Awesome. Thank you for the email. I'm so glad to hear that MEI Travel is helping you out. Of course, that's our sponsor here at Real Caribbean Blog, so appreciate that. So, your 18-month-old daughter will be in the nursery. She will not be old enough for Adventure Ocean. Nursery is great. Of course, it has an additional cost to it, but let me tell you something. As a parent, Austin, it's the best money you ever spent in your life, so... Uh, nursery is definitely the way to go in that regard. In terms of things they would enjoy at that age, you're going on a lure of the seas. And a lure doesn't have quite all the bells and whistles like Splashaway Bay is an example. It's really what I'm leaning towards. But the nice thing is I believe still the old H2O zone, which is the precursor to Splashaway Bay, I believe still has a baby splash area. So that would be pretty helpful. I'd also talk to the nursery about borrowing toys. You know, they have a nursery on board, so I'm not sure if they'll do this or not. I know on other ships, they used to have like open play for for kids of a very younger age and they had toys like usually you use them in the teen club in the morning because teens aren't there in the morning uh, but i would definitely talk to the nursery staff about you know what's available for them to to do and kind of explore also in adventure ocean there is usually a playroom so you have like the different rooms you have the nursery you when you walk into adventure ocean there's the nursery there's aquanauts there's explorers there's voyagers right different rooms with common areas in the middle and there's a common playroom in the middle that your daughter can just go to. It's basically like a climbing area. Imagine, I hate to use this uh, uh, comparison because I think it's a negative one, but you know, like, you know, like the play pit that you find at like a McDonald's or Burger King or something like that. It's kind of like that. It's a play pen. It's, it's great for, for your daughter to let loose and, you know, burn off some energy because inevitably when you're on a cruise, they kind of feel confined because, you know, they can do something in your room, but it's kind of limiting in that factor. So here, if you start thinking they need to, your daughter needs to burn off some energy and just run around a little bit, this can be a really good idea and something to enjoy. Certainly, I would recommend, you know, taking advantage of the, I'm not sure what itinerary you're doing, but, you know, taking advantage of what you can do in port in terms of, you know, splash areas and things for them to enjoy. But, you know, I think that comes naturally there. But ultimately, it's still a very, very fun cruise. I would just really take advantage of that nursery because the nursery is going to be one of the best uh, outlets for your daughter because what do kids of that age want to do they want to play they want to eat they want to nap and then repeat all that and the nice thing about the nursery is that it offers them all that and interaction with other kids their age it's a really really fun thing so i would plan on spending a lot of time there i'd register on day one take advantage of that it's it's trust me as, as a parent who's had two kids in the nursery uh, when they were that age it really makes a difference and our last email this week is coming to us from Amy, hi, Matt. I've been listening to the episodes of your podcast in preparation for my family's first cruise, which will be Independence of the Seas. Uh, you mentioned uh, the one twelve pack of soda can be brought on board per stateroom. My question is, where can that soda be consumed? Will my daughter be able to enjoy a soda at the pool and at a restaurant or only in the room? Great question. Uh, the answer is you can enjoy it anywhere you want, Amy. There's no rule about that. So, no, your daughter can, in, once you bring the uh, any non-alcoholic drinks on board, you can consume them anywhere you see fit. And a Amy also wants to know, uh, we're planning to snorkel with our own mask at Coco Key. Are life jackets available and free to use? Yes, they are. I know for a fact, Amy, there are life jackets to be used when you're at Chill Island. Uh, if you know where the Wacky Seagull Bar is, and if you don't, don't worry about it. Just ask. Um, it's on the map. I would go there. I remember there's a rack of of the life jackets available to use, and they're complimentary to enjoy. So go for it. Take advantage of it. Hopefully, Amy, that answers your email. 
If uh, you'd like to send me your emails, whether you're Amy or anybody else, you can always do so by sending it to Matt at RoyalCrimeBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at RoyalCrimeBlog.com. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you for listening. This has been Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.